Welcome to Talk is Sheep, the official podcast of the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Brought to you by our title sponsor, Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Come along with us as we take conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. We have partnered with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab to help get you in shape and mentally stronger. Whether you're a veteran hunter or just starting out, the Mountain Tough app will take you to the next level. We personally train using the Mountain Tough programs and we believe in it so much that we want to give you six weeks for free using code SHEEPBC. That's S-H-E-E-P-B-C. Check out Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. You won't be disappointed. It's man. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Stelter. You're looking uh, 20 years younger and no beard. Yeah, I got my blonde waves going on. I'm uh, yeah, just uh, off the beaches of Mexico, so feeling, yeah. Feeling good. Yeah, leather, leathery skin, nice burnt back and hungover still. Yeah, all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the classic so Mexico it vacation. It is Sheep Week, and we are in Reno right now. You can come see us at booth 561. You might catch Kyle wandering around there. He might even be in the booth. Yeah, and uh, the legend Dorensbank will be there for sure. We got the whole team down. So, um, Nallyweg, yourself, Joseph, Humphreys, our treasurer. Um, who else we got down there? Chris Rathol's down there. So, he's, we got our new mountain hunting expo coming out in a few weeks. It's uh, just over a month away, and Chris is the lead for our mountain hunting expo. He's going to be down there cruising around. Uh, Colin or Rebecca? Yeah, Matt McCabe will be there, one of our newer directors from this year. Yeah, it's going to be uh, pretty epic, buddy. Yeah, I'm looking looking forward to, uh, uh, how do you word that? Everything. Yeah. <laughs> everything that goes on at Sheep Week is, I don't know, the foundation just does such an amazing job putting that show on and getting all the right people in the right space and putting us all together and whether you're just at the show or you're over at the banquet or you're running in the backpack race or you're sitting in the bar outside the door waiting for everybody else to come out so you could talk to them, it's, I don't know, it's it's like our our home away from home, so to speak. I I don't know if I could miss it on purpose. I, I look forward to it every year. I start counting down as soon as we get off the plane on the way home. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Disneyland for uh, sheep hunters, right? Yeah, yeah. The who's who are in the room. Every company you can think of is in the room. It's you know, it's one of the only places where you can try damn near every optic, every piece of gear, every backpack. You know, it's that's uh, yeah. I can't. Tough to put into words. It's awesome, and there's a buzz. Like, and how many sheep can you win? Like how many opportunities to win a sheep hunt is there? Uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, we were talking about that the other night in one of our meetings, and it's uh, like high double digits. It's there's a lot of sheep hunts that are given away. So less than one club, less than one eye. There's uh, it just the list goes on and on and on. Of course, there's all the raffles, and um, you, obviously they they have you could win in a, a slam or oh I said the the swear word there, but uh, you could win a uh, your finaz with. Uh, with uh, uh, just the raffles alone, you know, there's so many different hunts there. You can do all four of them in the raffles. So, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, 
just such a great opportunity. So, man, that I don't know. I I hype it a fair amount, but that less than one club. Even if you are not in the less than one club, go to the less than one club banquet or party or beer fest, whatever you want to call it. But it, the buzz is so electric in that room when people are winning because you have to be in the room. You have to be present for almost all of the draws for the less than one. There's a couple they do online. and But the buzz in the room, like, you can't even go to the bathroom. If they're, you're getting fed beer, you're not paying for the beer. There's, it's being poured down your throat damn near, and you're, you know, it's, you got to try to find that healthy balance of not leaving the room and trying to. Like, so you leave the room to go to the bathroom. They call your name. Mister Thornton does not mess around. It's next, yeah. next, next. I think a, <laughs> that happened to Jamie Arnett. I think Jamie. Had one. It might might have been one more for four. I can't remember what it was, but he his name got called and he wasn't in the room and he was and uh, yeah that that he wasn't very happy. <laughs> no, no, that's uh, that would hurt. <laughs> it would hurt. Well, life member breakfast too, right? Um, you know that's there's eight hundred people there, and uh, summit life members. You're summit now, right? No, not yet. Okay, sorry. I thought you were actually. I wasn't calling you out because I, I actually thought I, you. Told I me think you just up. did call me out. Though. Yeah. Well, it wasn't intentional. But uh, Summit Life members get in the Life Member Breakfast. That's part of a benefit of being a Summit Life member. So you don't have to pay, and uh, you show up there, and you got a one in eight hundred chance of your name getting drawing to go on a Lapamosa Desert Sheep Hunt in uh, Mexico, one of the premium hunts in North America. And uh, you just need to go to breakfast to show up. So I, I bought Melanie a life membership so that we could increase our chances. by. So we got a 1 in 400 chance of winning a Lapamosa Desert Sheep Hunt. Pretty good odds. So, um, yeah, you just got to show up for breakfast and be there. Show up and go up on the stage and collect your, your sheep hunt. So That's easier said than done. Yeah. Showing up for breakfast. <laughs> what is that, Friday morning, I guess? So you've already already had a couple of nights in you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's Saturday morning. And uh, by the way, even worse. We, we volunteer at that. So I volunteered at Life Member Breakfast. I know you did last year and we're doing it again this year. I think we show up at 5.30 for, uh, f- no, it's not that early. It's bloody early to, to get ready for it to, you know, we help out with a hat raffle and everything. And it's, but anyway, the Life Member Breakfast is amazing. So there in itself, like that's an amazing opportunity to be a life member show up for that life member breakfast and a chance to win um you know what a ninety thousand dollar sheep hunt in in mexico it's amazing yeah Yeah. well and uh we got something else coming up you know we come back from sheep week in reno we basically get to pack our bags wash up a little bit and get back onto the road and where we got two weeks and some change and We'll be in Dawson Creek for the Northern Fundraiser. Yeah, this January, February is a blur, buddy. It's crazy, and uh, but so amazing. It's so nurturing, so exciting. You know, uh, you'll hear Anthony talk about our wild sheep family on this, and and yeah, it's just it's a family reunion. We get to do like three of them right in a row. We get Sheep Week, and then we get <laughs> the Northern Fundraiser, our Salute to Conservation Mountain Hunting Expo, and Northern's going to be epic this year. Uh, we got a great great event planned. Uh, Tons of great raffles, and uh, so we hope to see you there. Uh, I know some 
some of our members come to both. They come to both shows, and we'd love to have you at both. And uh, just such a great time up there. That Northern is just such a special vibe. You know, it's just a great feeling. And there's so much support in that room for, you know, for wild sheep in general, but certainly for those thin horns, you know, they, Region 7, they care about their stone sheep, right? And uh, they do a great job of looking after them. And it's just really inspiring to be in that room and see so many people that really care about wild sheep. So I'm excited now that uh, I'm up this way my first northern fundraiser i'm going to so nice. look forward to seeing a lot of shiny faces there that are new and old faces and friends and family and get that party started and then come back refresh reset and go to bendicton <laughs> yeah yeah it's gonna be a blur i'm gonna be i'm gonna need a holiday from yeah in march that's for sure but uh and the Salute to Conservation Mountain Hunting Expo is shaping up. Um, it's going to be so much fun. Uh, the lineup. So Friday night, Julie McQueen's our keynote. Saturday, we've got uh, Glenn Landris, chairman of the Wild Sheep Foundation. He's our keynote. And, uh, you know, this, <laughs> the Sheep Hunting University is ridiculous, man. Uh, just at our Mountain Hunting Expo, we just found out that uh, – Precision Optics and Kafaru are sponsoring that. There are title sponsors for that event. And uh, Aaron Snyder is going to be there. And so stop by their booth, talk to Aaron, and check out their latest gear. Um, you can see they're blowing everything out right now, right? Uh, if you go to the Kafaru's website, because you know what that means. They're innovators. Uh, Kafaru's an innovator in, in this stuff. And um, they're they're blowing all their, their old stuff out because they got a brand new line coming in. And I don't know that all of it's going to be out for our show. I talked to them recently about it, and it's it's just a little bit early for for this time of year to release it. But uh, you can certainly talk to Aaron and, and talk to the team there about what's going on. Um, but, yeah, so much cool stuff going on. But the, the speakers, like, okay, the list goes, like, Aaron Snyder. We got Matt Ward. We've got uh, Joe Appel. Um, just the list goes on and on and on, and and so we call it our sheep hunting university, and there's just kind of a plethora of of information that you can get there, and we've kind of we're trying to mix it up this year. One of the most popular seminars in the past has been Ray Weens and his taxidermy seminar, and so Ray's going to be out in full force, and he's going to have uh, a seminar there. I don't know if he's going to be caping an animal out or not. I haven't heard back from him. We're, I'm talking with Ray this week on that. Um, we've got Dylan Ayers um, there this year. Um, Lauren Wood's going to talk about reloading. Uh, Adam Yonke's going to do uh, a seminar on boots, boot care, feet care. Um, Adam's super passionate about it um, and uh, really, really hyped about it. Uh, we've got Jay Nichols, Tanner Danish. Uh, Chris Proctor's going to do horn aging. Um, we have some field judging stuff that we want to do on horn aging. I can't announce who that is yet. We haven't quite secured that, but we got a big name. And we're going to top off the day with uh, Aaron Snyder doing his final talk and then follow it up with Adam Foss. So Sitka Gear, our official sponsor, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Adam has been working with Sitka Gear and they were talking about, so, you know, Adam, what are you going to be talking about? Um, on your talk and then Sitka wants to make sure they have that in the booth there so you can go and try it on try the latest gear out so um, that's what I love about this you talked about Sheep Week Greg you know you can try everything on there you can go check it out and um, you know I'm not trying to pretend that our mountain hunting expo is a Sheep Week uh, but it's um, it's certainly the infancy of it and uh, so it's an opportunity for you to come and, and you know check out the gear from the best so 
Um, we've got Kefaru. We've got our conservation partner, Stone Glacier. They're going to have a booth there. Uh, Sika Gear is going to be there. Um, we've got Snowy Mountain Rifles, Gunworks, um, and just the list goes on and on. We've got uh, over 30 vendors, and uh, it's dedicated to Mountain Hunting Expo. And just so our, our guests and listeners know, We've had a bunch of requests for like gutters, you know, this gutter company that wants to sell stuff. <laughs> and we've said no. We've turned away, uh, around and said no, sorry. Um, we're, we're, we've taken a bit of a, a tough stance on it. We, we said we're going to offer a mountain hunting expo, and that's what this is. It's not going to be about, you know, fudge and buttercups. It's going to be about packs, and it's going to be about all kinds of gear. It's going to be about... Um, uh, we've got a supplement company that specials, specializes in um, helping athletes and in uh, specifically mountain athletes. So, you know, there's going to be that stuff there. So just a wide range of stuff, but very concentrated on the mountain hunting experience. And again, to Anthony's point, he talks about the family. It's our wild sheep family. So you're going to see real mountain hunters there, and there'll be some guys that aren't real good hunters there like myself, but we'll still be having a good time. So we'll be... Uh We'll be drinking whiskeys. You can find us in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Dealing yeah. with all the problems. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but Greg, you know, back to Sheep Week. Come by the booth. We're doing some podcasts there. Um, we'd love to say hi. Uh, who, who we got, uh, I think we got Adam Foss and Rachel Attila coming by, and we're going to do a talk about uh, the film there. Uh, Thursday yeah, morning? by Friday morning. Friday morning. Yeah, right. So... Um, and we got a whole bunch of other really cool ones lined up. So uh, some of them are up in the air. We're not going to talk about them until they're secured, but uh, it's going to be a great weekend and so much fun. Uh, we got some cool promos come on, come by the booth, and uh, you just got to make sure you come by and support us because we have this rivalry with those Alberta boys, WSFAB, and uh, we just got to stay, you know, we got to stay real. So <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to end up having to get a, Sheep tattoo this year because we lose to Alberta. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the the circle bar is where we we lose to the Alberta boys. I'll tell you that right now. We got um, Paulie there. He just can't keep up with them. So they're they're champions. So. They set the tone. We follow. I don't know. Washington was kind of a ringleader last year too. All those jerks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, so anyone that hasn't been to Sheep Week, come. For those of you that's your first show, we'll see at the circle circle bar. Easy for me to say. Uh, apparently, if you're from out of state and you come to Sheep Week, Greg's buying a whiskey for everyone. <laughs> out of state, out of province, out of pocket, empty bank. It'll <laughs> be out of house. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. The, yeah. If you haven't heard our podcast before, that's the running joke that Greg will buy the whiskey if you come from out of state or province. But uh, that's not the case for Sheep Week. Uh, that literally would b- break the bank. Uh, I get hit hard enough when I forget a challenge coin at Sheep Week. I don't know, you guys, The I think it was the ent- almost the entire foundation board hit me up as soon as I walked in the <laughs> hotel last year. An expensive yeah. round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it's going to be fun. It's uh, awesome. Totally stoked. And uh, and then the cool thing is, is it's Sheep Week. So the who's who's, the bee's knees, they're all there at Sheep Week. And we're hitting them up. We're we're talking to them. We, the best of the business. And um, yeah, it's just so cool. Sheep Week, you walk around and, oh, there's Randy Newberg. Oh, there's, you know, just like the Remy Warren, just standing there. You just go up and talk to the guy. You're like, yeah, it's just, it's surreal, right? 
yeah, that caught me off guard. Not so much even just the, you know, the who's who walking around, but when you're in whatever booth you can think of, there's a good chance the guy that's selling you the product or telling you all about the product or the gal that's telling you all about the product, they're the person behind the product. They're not just a salesperson. They're they're the ones who invented, created, they're running the whole operation. Like you're you're meeting the visionaries while you're there. It's it's pretty epic. Well, last last sheep week last year, we had Kurt Roscoe there from the the founder of Stone Glacier, right? Kurt and Lyle were sitting there at our booth talking and uh, I kept pinching myself. I'm like, am I t- this guy the guy's a legend, right? Like he's he literally created, you know, Stone Glacier. He literally created it and uh, you know, one of the most successful mountain hunting companies in in the world and we're sitting there talking to the founder and their marketing uh, guy and and the the guys that make that company what it is it's phenomenal it's just absolutely yeah surreal surreal is the word so yeah well, I think we've uh, we've let this uh, intro drag on there Mister Stelter yeah, we should roll right. into this one with the one and only Anthony Kluby this episode is sponsored by our conservation partner Yeti thank you Sitka Gear and Yeti for investing in healthy wildlife and sustainable ecosystems. But I guess we should maybe get into the uh, the reasons why we're here, eh? Little <laughs> enough of the hockey candor. Okay. So uh, we got someone else on the uh, other line here today, Kyle. Mister Anthony Kluby. Am I saying that right? Yeah, you bet. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What uh, what you do for fun? So uh, I'm uh, currently residing in Smithers. I've been here for about seven or eight years. I grew up in the peace country for the most part of my life, and uh, I mean, as long as I can remember, I've been outdoors hunting and fishing and spotting and all that good stuff. I got pictures of myself and my uncle probably when I was about two years old, standing with 50, 60 inch full of moose, and it's probably where it all started. Never really, never really looked back on that. So most of the yeah, time, well, yeah. uh, you I was gonna say most of the time. I mean, there's something around here. We're uh, pretty fortunate here. There's not that far out of out of town. We got goats and sheep aren't that far away, and moose and bear and predators. Tons of fishing, lots of salmon fishing in the summer. So we stay pretty busy. Well, there seems to be uh, something in the background there that's not a slouch either. You didn't mention that's a pretty nice looking deer you got behind you. Yeah, that was the, uh, I mean, it's not a bad deer, that's the first good deer I shot in quite a while. I uh, I have a bad habit of filling the freezer, I'm not very good at waiting when it comes to a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, that, was, that deer was oh, That's from, not a bad habit. <laughs> that deer was from uh, last, uh, 22 season, I believe, we were out uh out moose hunting my uh, parents and my sister had a draw and I was out helping them and first morning out or first day out sorry uh we come up over a bit of a hill just before dark and he was standing there and I turned to my sister I asked her if she had a deer tag and she said no and I said great I'm gonna shoot that then and uh that was the start of our fall season that year that's a it's an okay start to the season I suppose eh? just yeah, not, not even bad. on a hunt for yourself, really, and you take a big deer. Yeah, 
Uh, it, uh, it got pretty wild after that too. So. So, so you can't just end on it got pretty wild after that and then just stop talking. You gotta, <laughs> oh, uh, you gotta fill us in on what got wild <laughs> and why it was wild. Uh, we, uh, I think that was the first day. And then, uh, the second day was pretty slow. It was quite warm last, last September here. It was pretty much 20 degrees for the first couple of weeks of September. And, uh, that make moose, that made moose hunting a little bit slow, but, uh, I think it was about the third third morning my parents were able to put a, put the first pole down and uh i uh the kids were just just going off to school and i called my wife as they were going out the door and i said uh, don't send the kids to school i'm coming we gotta go help grandma and grandpa with the moose so off we went and uh i think about four out four or five hours we had that moose packed out to the truck and uh, they came home for a couple of days. We hung it, and then uh, second day back out, uh, they did it again. About 700 yards from where they shot the first one. So it's uh, again just before school. So called called the wife again, grabbed the kids, and away we went. So you got two moose on the ground. You're all loaded up, but you know you don't seem to stop hunting. You always. Oh no! There's always something going on with you. Yeah. So what uh, was next after the moose? After moose last year, um, I was supposed to have a trip to the Yukon with my uncle that lives up there, and uh, we'd been planning that for a while. And unfortunately, about five days before I was supposed to leave, he uh, he got COVID there, and uh, it. Uh, it kicked the crap out of them for about three weeks. And, uh, we, uh, we tried to push, push our dates back a little bit and we waited till about the 10th of October and he was still pretty much bedridden at that point. So we ended up, uh, calling that hunt off. So in the meantime there, I mean, just locally here, get the kids out, do some chicken hunting and always on the, always on the watch for bears and, uh, when that didn't work out, uh, I got another uncle that's aunt and uncle that still live in, uh, the peace country. So I figured I still had holidays. I jumped in the truck and bombed up there and, uh, chased elk and deer for, for a week with my uncle there. And, um, I ended up, uh, shooting, a, a, a small, you know, decent little whitetail buck. Uh, don't think we, don't think we ran into any elk on that trip. There was uh, actually a couple very large bears we have on camera for the last few years that we were kind of, I kind of had my mindset on. We got a, a big black bear up there that we've been watching for four or five years and he's every bit of seven foot plus. He's a big bear and uh, we actually hit him with the quad in 21. We uh, shot a moose and an elk out of the same area three days apart. We had shot the moose out of the tree stand and drug him out to an area and gutted him. And then three days later on elk opener, we went in and killed an elk out of there. And uh, when we were going back in the trail to pull the elk out with the bike, the uh, bear had buried the gut pile from the moose and was bedded on it. And when we popped through the willows, we were we were riding the back of them. Uh, but unfortunately, that's the closest I've ever come to getting a scope on him he's uh 
he's hard to find. He's very sneaky. He shows up for a couple weeks in the spring when I don't have time to be up there, unfortunately. And then in the fall, he pretty much goes nocturnal. And it's been, uh, been a few years of, uh, drooling over him. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, those, those big boys, they don't get big for no reason. They're usually, uh, afraid of everything. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty wild that, that spot that we have set up there. He, uh, he's not very far from a lot of people and it's, uh, it's amazing you know, no, nobody's ever caught him out and about it. Uh, he's not that far from, from, from houses actually. And, uh, he's no, nobody's ever crossed paths, paths with him. So. That's smart enough to stay out of trouble and stay away from people, I guess. And, you know, when hunting season comes around, moves to the night, it's, uh, yeah. that could be said for a lot of animals across the board though. You, you know, if they're getting big, Unless they're in a remote area, they're they're getting big because they're they're smart and they're afraid. So yeah, for sure. But uh, you kind of you you'd mentioned your kids there for a second. Um, is it important kind of bringing them up the same way you were brought up and getting them into the outdoors and being active, chasing grouse and going after uh, I guess probably bears too where you're at. Yeah, no, it's a it's a huge thing for me. It. Uh it's what I live for. I, I mean, I gave up kind of all my other hobbies several years ago, you know, growing up as a kid, I used to mountain bike golf, uh, all sorts of things, you know, four by four and quad and dirt bike. And, and, in you know, the later years, and now that I have kids, there's not a lot of time for everything else. And I love getting out as much as possible. Um, my wife is not a big fan or, uh, not doesn't, care to join on a lot of the hunting trips she loves fishing uh she spends every waking moment that we can at the river fishing salmon when when they're open um i mean my uncles were taking me out uh from the time i was two my dad was never a big hunter growing up he was more of the fisherman uh we were always fishing during the summer with him always at the river uh and I just, I wanted my kids to have the same thing. So, you know, my dad, my parents both hunt quite a bit now. So we'll, we'll go out as a, as a group, all, all uh, five of us and take the kids out and the dogs out and go spend the weekend looking for chickens if nothing's open. Um, the kids absolutely love it. I think I have a picture of William when he was about 10 days old. I had him out on his first chicken hunt and, uh, just never looked back. Um, Hallie, same thing. She was probably about three months old when I had her out and, uh, they both love it. They can't, I haven't cleaned a chicken in probably three or four years. Um, I'm not allowed to do it anymore. They, uh, they have to do it. They, uh, almost every bear hunt I go on in the spring, they tag along. Um, that's the great thing about spare spring bear hunting is you're pretty much just cruising their logging roads for the most part around here. So throw the kids in the back seat with some snacks and the wife gets to stay home and do what she likes to do. And we're gone for the weekend and, uh, the kids absolutely love it. I think I've had them in on probably a dozen bears in the last 
three, four years between my bears and my dads and brothers and buddies. So it's been, it's been very fortunate. Yeah. Well, it's great, great to see when you kind of flick through your social media and the pictures you share is, uh, you know, you your kids are always hands on and they're, they always have the biggest grins on their face. So you're doing something right there. And, it's, uh, yeah, it's always nice to see the future generations coming up. Kind of love it. Yeah. This year so you, uh, I had him in on. Go ahead. No, I'm I'm good. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry. So this year I had him in on three moose again. Um, my parents uh, were lucky enough to draw the early season tag again, and they they got one third or fourth day. So I had the kids out there for that. And uh, William has been helping quite a bit the last few years. I, you know, I've been letting them, letting them skin for a couple of years now. And, uh, they both love to help, help in the butchering process. They love to trim meat, uh, Hallie, not so much yet, but she loves to push the meat through the meat grinder and help package. And, uh, but this year on, uh, my parents moose, we had, uh, quite a bit of time. They shot it nice and early in the morning. It was quite cool. It was only about four degrees out. So I wasn't worried about breaking it down too quickly. And I was able to, to let the kids spend quite a bit of time skinning out the moose. Um, I helped my daughter along with probably the good portion of a whole hind quarter. And uh, my son did another hind quarter and probably the better hat part of a hat front quarter as well. Um, and they, they can't get enough of it. Uh, and then a little later on in the season there, we actually had a double header. My two younger cousins uh, doubled up on their fo- first bull moose each, about 70 yards apart. And I actually had the kids out for a chicken hunt that afternoon, or at least that was the intention. And uh, we were going to meet my uncle and my cousins around noon, one o'clock, just to kind of touch bases and see how they did for the morning hunt and we pulled up to the spot we were going to meet them and I glassed down into the swamp and excuse me right away picked up a bull moose and uh we're watching them through the binos taking some pictures and kind of talking back and forth with my mom there and you know kind of where wh- where's the guys at they need to hurry up and we can go down there and kill this moose and about three, four minutes later, we hear boom, 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 and uh, moose down, and and then I hear boom, boom again, and I'm like, what? Uh, pan over a little ways, and <laughs> to my surprise, a second bull moose goes down, and then about 45 seconds later, out walked my uncle and two cousins. Um, so that was pretty cool. We got to watch that from about a thousand thousand yards away. And then uh, we packed my kids in, hike, or hiked them both in. The moose were actually about a kilometer away from the road from where the, we were able to park the truck and hike in. Uh, so hiked them in over beaver dams and through the creeks. And they spent uh, about six hours in there with us, breaking down both bowls and helping skin. And they love to take pictures, so... They had the camera walking around, taking pictures of us while we were doing the whole process. And 
then they got to help to pack the first load out before dark there. And I think we got back to the truck just as it was kind of getting dark and packed them up and sent them home with my mom and me and the two boys and my uncle were in for another six, seven hours of packing that night in the dark. <laughs> so, so is the, uh, is the family extremely lucky? Are you guys a bunch of moose whispers over there? Like what's going on? just moose after moose after moose yeah we've been extremely fortunate in the last uh three four seasons uh i i don't think i think we've only gone about one season in the last seven years without a moose and uh it wasn't due to lack of opportunity we had the opportunity that year and he just got away from us but uh I put a lot of time in in the bush you know spring or all through all throughout the year and took us a few years here in Smithers to kind of find our little hidey hole, but we found one and um, we've been very fortunate to pull several bulls out of that area in the last uh, three years and growing up with my uncles. I yeah, mean, right on. Are you, Oh, go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, are you, you guys calling? Uh, so for my parents moose the last couple of years, that was early season. Um, like first or I believe the season starts September 10th. So not so much calling then. Um, I run a few trail cameras in the area, not too many, but uh, have an idea, just mostly just have an idea of where they are. We're going out a few, you know, a week prior to season looking for sign. It's been quite hot the last couple of years here. So sticking close to the water and, and then once we're finding the sign, we're pretty much just pounding that area you know sun up to sun down and and catching them out in the open for the most part uh the the late season we've had that draw the last couple of years last year i didn't even hunt it we'd killed two moose in the early season so we didn't need the meat um and then this year with my cousins they that's that same spot i i see moose in there all the time um midday crossing through the swamp bedded in there and that that happened just to be uh i told them to check it out midday and they pulled up and happened to glass both bulls just feeding in there by the time they hiked down in there they just both bedded in the open so a little bit of luck for sure uh a, a little bit of time spent uh finding them so but that definitely a lot of luck for sure Yeah, well, that sounds sounds like you got yourself a good uh, a good honey hole, and you're doing the work to locate and get them ready. Now, after um, after that, uh, you know, string of good luck or great fortune or however you want to put that, it didn't stop there. You uh, you got on the road and you went up to the Yukon. You want to talk about that one because that's there's some <laughs> some pretty impressive things happened on that trip. Yeah, so that was the trip that uh, me and my uncle up there uh, had been planning for a few years. Uh, I'd been uh, trying to get him to take me sheep hunt for quite a while, but unfortunately, uh, got to be a Yukon resident for that. Um, and finally, we settled on moose. And the last couple of years, I've kind of been bugging him, told, telling him, you know, I'm not shoot, we're not shooting a bull and, unless it's 60 inches plus, just giving him a hard time because he's kind of a is a two point kind of guy, a lot easier to pack and a little better, 
little little easier to chew, I think. Um, but yeah, I, that was actually so that my my trip to the Yukon was actually in between my uncle or my parents' moose and my cousin's moose. That was uh, first week of October. I set off up there and uh, first night we pulled. I pulled into town there and uh, we. Wonko lives in Watson, so we just uh, we hunted close to Watson that night and tried some calling. He had had a couple bulls in the area close to home that he'd had responses from a few days before, and so we went out and tried that night. No luck. Um, the The next day, my uncle had taken a new boat in on trade, and. Uh, you know, life gets busy and he, uh, never found the time to run the boat and make sure it floated before, uh, we were to set off on our moose trip. So the, the next day was spent trying to get that boat running properly. And turns out that boat hadn't been started in probably about eight or nine years. So the carbs were plugged up and we tore them apart and used what we had there available. And, uh, Never were quite able to get it to run properly. Uh, and then uh, while we were trying to run it in the lake, we found out that it uh, took on a lot of water. So we were pretty much back to square one. <laughs> Luckily, he had a, he had his uh, had a second boat. He has a 16-foot SSV Lund with a 50 horse on it. it uh, it's just not covered in, and the, the new boat had a full full cover we were kind of looking forward to that because the weather wasn't supposed to be too great it was calling for a lot of rain over the next week but uh, after a day with no no luck of getting that motor running and it leaking we decided to switch over to the other boat so we hauled it out he had put it away for the season already hauled it out got fuel going through it test ran it hauled it out to the lake and made sure it still float and uh, the next morning we were off. We uh, headed north from Watson there, quite a ways up to another lake. We've been planning on hunting, and uh, the lake's quite long. And there's a second second leg of it on the other side of the mountain. You go through a little river system, and then you go up the, the next valley for about 40, 50 miles. So the first day we we didn't have a whole lot of time when we got there. We got camp set up and about two o'clock we uh, figured we'd set out and uh, our plan was to go to one go to the far end of the lake and and hunt up the other valley. Uh, that that was the overall plan for the trip and with us being already more than halfway through the day, we decided to go the opposite direction because it was only about uh, 25 kilometers to the end of that that end of the lake and prior to the trip we discussed uh, throwing a tent and stuff in the boat for if we needed to spend the night on the shore due to weather or shooting something late I had it all in a Rubbermaid and famous last words I asked my uncle if I should throw it in the boat and he said no we'll be back before dark and uh, <laughs> said Kate so we uh, set off and, you know, uh, went away down the lake and stopped and called for a while and kind of just kept 
hopping down the lake, calling every once in a while for a half hour or so. Got down to the end of the lake and did some more calling. <coughs> Excuse me. Tried a little fishing and uh, no bites and no moose. And there was a little bit of weather moving in. So we figured uh, we'd start heading back and, and calling our way back. I think we had about two and a half hours of light at that point, something like that. Uh, made it about halfway down that section of the lake and, and stopped and called again and for for about 15, 20 minutes and then uh, continued on down and actually at the north end of the, at the end of the lake there, there's a small section of river probably about three kilometers long not super wide for the most part it's about three four feet deep to go through um but the way that the lake is is or the way that the river comes out of the lake we we're kind of coming around the corner heading for the the south end of this uh of the lake there to uh do some more calling and we come around the corner and i was like oh that's a moose and threw up the binos and I was like, Oh, that's a really good moose. I think we should probably shoot that bull. Uh, so this year I didn't actually draw for the Yukon. So it was my uncle's tag. Um, so he was doing the shooting this year. And, uh, so we just pointed the boat towards the moose and, and, uh, went after him and we got to within probably about a couple hundred yards and, then lead started to fly, and next thing we knew, we had a dead 1,500-pound bull moose in the middle of the river that started to float away from us. And uh, things got a little bit crazy there for for a little bit. We uh, we watched him float down river for about two, three hundred yards, and then he disappeared. Um, we weren't overly worried about it at that point because it was crystal clear water, and we knew if he went much further the water it, it shallowed out quite a bit there and he would pop back up so we're slowly floating down the river there and he's still not coming up and there's a little bit of a back channel there and there must have been an undertow because it it grabbed him and sucked him right to the bottom of the river and that was probably the deepest spot it was probably about 10 12 feet deep there and uh it had his nose right on the right on the bottom of the river and his ass end sticking up probably about two feet under the water. And uh, so at that point, it was pretty good current in that river for how small it is. And uh, we were able to get the boat turned around and kind of into, took a few attempts to get it turned around and facing upstream. And I had to reach over the bow of the boat with an oar and a, a ratchet strap and was able to hook on to one of his tines and pulled him up to the side of the boat and uh, tied him off and uh, tried to get him into shore. It uh, was a pretty sandy bottom on the bottom of that river, and we spent the next hour and a half with a come-along uh, trying to move that, that bull onto shore out of the water. and That was a losing battle. You, you'd think you'd move him six inches, and you'd let go of the tension, and he'd spring back another six inches. So... Finally, after an hour and a half losing light, we uh, we decided that we were going to be in trouble if we didn't get out of that river before dark. So we left them in probably about six inches of water and started cutting. 
and we had him broke down pretty quick. We had him in the boat in just a little over an hour, and pretty much as I threw that last quarter in the boat, the sun completely disappeared. It was pitch black, cloud, you know, quite o- overcast, couldn't see a thing. Um, we uh, slowly started picking our way through that river, and uh, we figured if we could make it to the lake, we would be good. And we managed to bottom out the boat once and break off uh, a little bit of the motor, but uh, still functional, luckily. We were coming into the mouth of the river, back into the, the north end of the lake there, and all of a sudden I could feel that wind on my face, and I could hear the white caps rolling. At that point, I knew it was going to be a pretty crappy ride home. We were, at that point, about somewhere between 15 kilometers, 15, 20 kilometers away from camp. It was with the overcast and, and the rain and, and the mist, um, with the headlamps, you pretty much couldn't see anything. It actually made it worse. So it was a ride home in the dark with uh, me running the fat maps on my phone, just basically telling my uncle left, left, right, left, right, just trying to keep it straight pick our way through all the little islands it's a pretty deep lake it's three four hundred feet in some spots but uh you know on 200 feet offshore there were spots where it was 10 feet or under so it was a little bit and then you know we had waves coming over the bow at one point so it was uh it was a little bit puckering coming home on that ride that ride took us i think that was about two and a half hours of that so that was something that was a heck of a story and a heck of an adventure. But I think next time we will sleep on the beach under a tarp. <laughs> First day moose. And, uh, I mean, we did lots of calling that day. I like to say that we called that bowl in cause we had called in that spot about an hour earlier, but, uh, who knows? Maybe it was just luck too, man. Uh, we put a lot of, a lot of, a lot of planning and a lot of effort into that hunt and, we were rewarded on the first day. It was a pretty special moment to share with my uncle. That was the first time I've uh, I've been able to share a moose camp or really any kind of hunting with him. Um, so that, that that was awesome. Yeah, well, it's that's quite the memorable trip, and especially since that was the trip that got canceled the year prior, and you know, the memory of going through the lake in the dark. In the storm, that's uh, that one burns in you. You'll you won't forget that, and I don't blame you for no. wanting to sleep on the beach next time. I've been in that situation more times than I would uh, care to admit. <laughs> so, yeah, it. Uh, I mean, one of us might have been freaking out a little bit more, but uh, I was pretty stoked on just uh, looking at those brows in the front of the boat, the whole boat ride back, I was pretty content on just looking at them. So I was pretty happy to be there. Um, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but uh, I'm definitely glad we made it back. That's for sure. There was uh, a few, a few moments when we first come out of that river into the lake, the, the weight in the boat wasn't quite situated properly and it got pretty dicey there for a second. But once we got the weight, situated that uh i didn't think it was that bad um one of us might have thought it was a little worse than it was but some of us are older <laughs> and that was uh there you go. we uh 
we only had one tag for the Yukon there. So we, we made it back to camp that night around midnight and it was supposed to be cold that night. So he has a little homemade camper with a wood stove in it. And we stoked that bad boy right up and it did not get cold. It warmed up. So about three in the morning, we both woke up <laughs> sweating our bags off and kicked open the doors of the trailer. But that was pretty much it. There was no sleeping after that. So we were up at about three thirty in the morning that day and made breakfast and drank coffee and finished dealing with the moose and uh, headed back to Watson that day. Pretty quick trip. And then I spent the next uh, week in town there just hanging out. We uh, dropped down into the BC side a few times to look for a bull moose under my tag and it, uh, the weather was a little bit nastier on that side. It was snowing and cold and, uh, the moose weren't moving around. We ran into a few guys that, uh, spent about 10 days out there. The one camp had eight guys in it and I believe in, they'd only seen one cow moose between all of them. So at that point we, uh, pretty much called her quits. We were quite satisfied. We had, I already had a moose at home and with my parents and, I was taking part of that moose home with me and so we just kind of hung out and did some quadding and yeah it's kind of nice to get it over and done with at the start of the trip you get to relax for a week I guess but uh yeah no that's that's quite the experience but I want to talk about something else so more of the the main reason we pulled you in onto this podcast here. Uh, last year at our salute to conservation and uh, Kamloops we'll be in Penticton this year um you know, you're babysitting one of your buddies there. We won't name him. We'll we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll leave him out yes. of this for now. He's he's had enough. But uh, you came up to me, and I think Kyle might have been there too. And you're you're just you're doing the the usual ribbon of the someone who's got some raffle tickets in their pocket, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm gonna win this. I got I'm gonna win one of them. I got this. I got tickets in my pocket. We're gonna get some." And then you know something happened. What'd you win? Let's talk about that. <clears throat> yeah, it uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty cool. I uh, well, I was that was my first show, and uh, excitement was high for sure. And uh, you know, along with the guy I was babysitting, I, there might have been some drinks flowing through me too, and and uh, you know, that makes the wallet a little bit looser and. I'm happy to support the raffles anyways. I always buy them. And uh, before I left, I was bugging my wife because uh, I, I believe there was a pronghorn hunt in the auction as well, if I'm not mistaken. And I was bugging her before I left. I sold her, well, if I don't win a raffle, maybe I'll buy that hunt. That's something I've always wanted to do. We lived in Alberta for uh, seven years, I believe it was. And I was putting in for draw points in Alberta for pronghorn. And when we moved back to BC and I became a non-resident, I lost those points. I had to start back over at zero. So I wasn't too happy about that. And But uh, yeah, I when the show opened up there Friday, I, I started off with buying one ticket to the Silver Sage pronghorn hunt and uh, made my rounds around the room and picked up a couple tickets for all the draws. And... Uh, said guy being babysitted uh i was ribbing him a little bit about <laughs> buying buying a ticket for the pronghorn and he was kind of 
uh, hemming and hawing about it. It's a uh, hundred bucks a ticket for, but it's one in two, 200 chance. So I was like, you should buy, you should probably buy a ticket. And he's like, ah, maybe later. I'm like, oh, just, just go buy a ticket. And, uh, it's like, well, should I get one or two? I was like, just get one for now. You buy one and I'll buy a second one and I'm going to win off that ticket. And, uh, so we, we were uh, bugging each other pretty hard there about that and went on with our night. And I think I was giving a few guys pretty hard time, you know, telling them I was going to win it. I was going at it there with Steve. He was, he was pretty convinced it was his year to win it. And, uh, yeah, the night went on. It was a great night and had, uh, lots of great conversations, met a lot of cool new people and, we were standing right up by the stage uh, when Kyle was calling off the draws. And I was standing there with BC Billies and my buddy and uh, a few other guys talking. And we were all pretty excited for that pronghorn hunt to come up. And wouldn't you know, the ticket I bought right after Brandon did was the winning ticket. I believe he had 31 and I had 32. So off to Alberta <laughs> for pronghorn. Uh, the ribbing well, didn't get any uh, easier after that. No, I bet. Go ahead. It's, it's not. Let's. So that's. Uh, how, you know. How excited were you after that draw came in? I'm sure you. Uh, you ended up somewhere having a good time after that. I bet. Well, I think I ran into both of you gentlemen not long after that, and I believe I was probably already having a pretty good time prior to that, and. Uh, <laughs> the party definitely i was uh definitely very excited and uh definitely my excitement was influenced for sure uh <laughs> i'm usually for the most part a pretty quiet guy and but things were pretty loose that night and i was quite excited and it was around the room after that point kind of bragging it up a little bit and having some good conversations and rubbing it in with a few certain people that uh we like to joke with and it was good. It's pronghorn something. I've, uh, it was kind of on my bucket list for quite a long time. I grew up looking at one on my uncle's wall from time I was probably uh, six or seven. He had one on his wall and I was always hoping to have the chance to, to hunt them for myself. So I was, uh, quite excited. I, I text my wife not long after to let her know I'd won the hunt and she wanted to know how much I really spent to buy it. And told her it was a hundred dollar ticket that was it and uh took a little convincing to uh convince her of that that i hadn't bought one in the auction but uh oh, it was good it was uh it was one of the highlights of the show but uh the rest of the show was uh, awesome and that uh winning that one that night uh just made it that much easier to buy raffle tickets the next night to try to win a few more things well, you, you save several thousand dollars, so you, you might as well blow it on raffles, right? You never know what you're going to win. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And it uh, it also gets the confidence up for this year. <laughs> oh, do we? Are you returning? We are, yeah. We'll both be back down there for the weekend, yeah. We won't we won't make, we won't right make the Thursday night whiskey tasting, unfortunately, but uh, we'll be there for Friday, Saturday. 
Oh, that's all right. We'll let you have it. Yeah. So, Anthony, I got a question for you. So, w- with our raffles, um, you get a travel voucher. So, talk a little bit about that. So, I think you, we just cut you a check, right? And that does that cover all your travel? And you can do whatever you want. You just get uh, how much did it? How much was the travel voucher that came with the hunt? So, I got a two thousand dollar travel voucher, which was actually. I knew some sort of voucher came with it, but that was considerably more than I was expecting, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> I think all all said and done by the time you pay, but I, I, at the time I wasn't aware I was paying for the tag fees with that voucher. So, but by the, uh, so I live in Smithers, the hunt, uh, you meet the outfitter in Olds, Alberta. For me, that's about a 16 hour drive, 16, 17 hour drive. Um, I left here on a Saturday afternoon, drove to McBride and spent the night in a hotel there, uh, continued on Sunday to Olds. And then they put you up in the hotel, uh, right across from the outfitters, uh, shop there in town. And then the 16 hour drive home, I, uh, didn't end up staying in a hotel on the way home, but the voucher covered for sure all my fuel food hotels in between um yeah i mean other than a couple raffle tickets to hunt didn't cost me anything other than some taxidermy but uh i'm okay with those costs so awesome so is it Olds or brooks it's brooks or sorry brooks yeah sorry brooks alberta yeah 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 yeah, so I actually hunted with uh, Billy a couple years ago myself, um, but I didn't. I wasn't as lucky as you. Well, first of all, I can't get. I'm not allowed to enter any of the bloody draws. So that's that's one of the beefs of of all of us directors and and uh, anyone that works for the societies. And we're not allowed to buy raffle tickets, but uh, fair enough. But uh, uh, it's a great experience. Um, just curious, who you uh, who was your guide out there? Do you remember who was uh, who you were hunting? Uh, Gord was the gentleman's name. I can't remember his last name. Older fella, he, uh, he he was a blast. He's been there a long time guiding for Billy, and he's done some other guiding as well throughout his life. Uh, I believe he owned his own char- uh, salmon chartering company there for a while. And uh, pretty much he does it nowadays just to cover his fun money. He's retired outside of the little bit of guiding he does there for Billy and then fishes the rest of the year. So he's got a pretty good and uh, good good old boy with lots of stories and definitely kept me entertained and on my toes the entire time. He uh, was a was a blast to hang out with. the uh, The unfortunate part of the trip was it was short. You know, the hunt was for three days, and when I got got to town there, I went and met with Billy and had a good chat with him. Billy's an awesome dude, and uh, per pretty much asked me what I was comfortable with shooting and I told him and he said that that was more than what they needed to get, uh, get me a, get me a pronghorn. And they had had a couple good ones that, uh, they'd been watching for about a week. And that was kind of the game plan for the next morning. Uh, Gord would pick me up and we'd leave around six and head out and see what we could find. That's awesome. So, um, Justin and Phil and uh, Gord are, are are obviously guides for Silver Sage. Billy 
owns the outfit. He's the outfitter and a guide as well. But all those guides have been there for over 10, I think closer to 20 years, most of them, um, and just highly, highly experienced in that area. Um, what what part of the country did you hunt? Did you hunt down south towards uh, Foremost, or what part were you do? What was your hunt? We, were you north uh, of town? Or we had just outside the base uh, towards Medicine Hat. We were quite close to Medicine Hat, I okay. believe. Yeah. yeah. Just off the just off the base to okay. the west. Yeah. Cool. So how many antelope did you see did you figure in the, your your whole time? Uh it didn't take long. I think it only took us about twenty minutes after light to find our first one. They had been hanging out around a water hole for the for for a couple of days prior to that, so that's where we checked first in the morning. And there was nothing around there, so we bombed around and we caught one crossing the road pretty quickly. And we did a little more driving, a little hiking around, glassing all the over all the little knolls. And it was probably a couple hours before we got into any more, actually. We uh, exhausted that area where he had seen the the one we were after and didn't find anything. So we continued on down the road and uh, we were only about 15, 20 minutes down the road and uh, we'd picked up a herd of, oh, I think there was eight or 10 in that group and uh, a few buck, there's three bucks. Uh, the buck that I ended up shooting was in that group. Uh, so we watched him for a while. We got inside couple hundred yards of them and took some pictures and kind of hemmed and hawed about it and Gord at that point was still quite confident that we could find the the one he he had his mindset on it was a little bit bigger I think probably than the one I ended up shooting but so and I first morning this is the first time I've ever seen antelope so I was more than happy to go keep looking for for some more and this, I mean, they pretty much pop, started popping everywhere after that. I mean, in total that day, we probably saw 60, 70 antelope, I would think, probably. Uh, a few groups of about a dozen. Uh, we found another group not long after that, mostly does, one little buck in it, nothing we were interested in. Uh, we looked around a little, bit, a little bit longer for the bigger one, and then we ended up uh, spotting a group of probably about 12 to 15 antelope on the army base in the no-go zone there and we were pretty sure that that in that group was the the target buck that gord had picked out and he was heading in the wrong direction and uh it was probably about 11 o'clock at this point and I looked up in the sky and it was getting pretty black and rolling our way. And we looked, I knew the forecast for the next two days were not great weather. It was calling for a lot of wind and a good amount of rain. And not having any experience with antelope, I, you know, totally left it up to Gord and Billy. I asked them, I'm like, is that a good buck? You know, I'd rather go home on the first day with, uh, you know what I compare it to mule deer. I'd rather go home on the first day with a 150 than uh, you know trying to wait for a 200 and then go home with nothing. Personally, especially on a hunt that uh, 
you know, maybe a once in a lifetime hunt for myself and an animal I've always, always wanted to, to take. And, uh, so we went back and relocated that buck with the group he was with. And a second group ended up, uh, joining them while we were sitting there watching. And I think at that point, there was somewhere between 15 and 20 antelope, something like that. And the, the, the big buck was obviously clearly rutting still. Um, from my understanding, that's a little bit late for them, but there was still one hot doe in the group and he was running her all over the place. And, uh, there, there was about five or six little bucks at this point. So we watched him for the next couple hours, uh, chasing the doe, chasing the other bucks off. And it was pretty cool. It's, uh, it's a different hunt. Uh, it's, you know, you're, you're truck hunting, right? You're not, you're not putting that many miles on the boots. Um, you're not grinding that hard. It's, you're just glassing from the truck, but watching those antelope run around was, was pretty cool. Uh, they sure can move fast and turn on a dime. And, uh, we tried to sneak in a couple times and you'd get three, 400 yards from them. And for no reason other than he wanted to chase that doe, they'd just pick up and move a kilometer, two kilometers. And what seemed like a couple seconds. Uh, so then it'd be back to the truck and, and move down the road a little bit further and then try to get the wind right and try to move in on them again. So we played that game for a while and uh, eventually we were able to get in range of them. Got into about 250 of them and put one round into them and he went about 50 yards and tipped over. And uh, That's nice. It was, uh, it was very cool. Um, they are a very neat animal to walk up on. Uh, a smell that I've never smelled before. It, uh, it's a very overpowering smell. Different. Um, their hair is very, very wiry. It, uh, you got to be very careful with it. You touch it wrong and it falls out. Um, their backs are all scarred up from going under fences. Uh, the coloring on it, everything. It's just, it was... I was very happy with the, with the buck I took. And I mean, according to them, it was a, you know, a very respectable, respectable one. I have no idea what he scores, probably never score him, but, uh, I, I was, I was very happy. Just curious what caliber you were shooting on him. I was packing a 300 short mag. It's, uh, probably a little overkill so for a little, little over. A- little overkill for them, but, uh, I picked up a fierce edge uh, a few years ago and it's just become my go-to weapon. It, I'm very comfortable shooting it. I can shoot it a lot further than I would ever shoot in that at an animal. And, uh, it's just one of the, it's just become a point and squeeze kind of gun for me. And I, uh, I started shooting full copper out of it a few years ago. I was very against them for a while. I've always been a bonded bullet kind of guy, but, uh, I switched over to the Hornady CX full copper and I've been very impressed with how little damage 
the damage they do. Um, this pronghorn, I mean, it was perfect double lung, probably about an inch and a half behind the shoulder, blew right through. And I mean, on the exit side, you only had a ring about an inch and a half of bloodshot. Um, I've shot a few animals with that gun now, uh, a few whitetail. It's killed a couple goats now. And uh, uh, Buddy used it to kill his goat with and clip the offside, sh offside shoulder. And virtually no meat damage. You know, it was just kind of reach in and cut the bullet hole out and the rest of the shoulder was good. So going into that hunt, I wasn't too concerned about blowing that, that, that antelope up with what I'd seen from those bullets in the past. So with the antelope running around all the time, constantly working out, there's people always want to question what they're going to taste like. What, what are your thoughts? What's your opinion on that? I, uh, I heard a lot of things going into it that they were inedible. Um, I personally on this, you know, Gord was, I was taking pictures and Gord was getting ready to gut. And, uh, I, I told him, no, I, I, it's my animal. I've been hunting for 19 years, I believe with tags in my own pocket. And I've never not gutted my own animals. My uncles made me gut my own animals from the time I was 10 and I was not going to let, uh, let him do this for me. So, uh, I mean, we were on the animal, we, you know, we had him gut uh, on him right away. Pictures. We had him gutted in probably thir under 30 minutes from the time we killed him. Uh, loaded him up in the truck, took him back to town, hung him up, skinned him, wiped him down really well, made sure we got all the hair off. And they are uh, what I believe amazing table fare. Uh, I would compare it personally a lot to a grain fed whitetail, uh, a little bit darker meat, oh, wow. I think, uh, a little bit different, a little bit different taste, but mine personally, even for a buck that was rutting, like the meat has virtually no smell to it. Um, and it has zero gamey taste um i was shocked to be honest i was expecting something a little bit more gamey but i mean i'm i'm somebody who's also grown up on game meat my entire life like we don't consume beef very often uh you know i like to treat myself to a steak once in a while but that's about it so maybe it's just my palate but uh i I wish there was probably about 200 pounds more meat on them. That means you're going to have to go back. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> if I win this year, my, my boy gets the tag. No, right on. How old? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, he's nine right now. He'll be 10 for next hunting season, partway through next hunting season. So, it was, uh, I'm glad I had a good year this year because uh, come next fall, it'll be him behind the trigger. And outside of maybe sneaking away for a few mountain hunts by myself, I might not be pulling the trigger much anymore, which I'm not complaining about. No, it's all right. I'm going through it. It's uh, It's got its ups and it's down, as a lot of people already know. 
minutes, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's rewarding. So, yeah, what did you end up doing with the uh, the buck? Here, I know you said you're getting a taxidermied. You kind of hinted at it before. What'd you do with it? Uh, so I brought it back here to Smithers. I got a guy here in town uh, that I'm using, and I'm gonna get a uh, like a a wall style pedestal mount, shoulder mount. Uh, little bit more than just a shoulder i guess kind of half a little bit more down the chest um yeah so i've been trying to poke at them uh i haven't got an answer yet but uh kind of hoping maybe i can get it wrapped up here before the show this year and if i can i told kyle i'd bring it down but uh haven't quite got an answer yet out of the taxidermist yet i'll rib him here again this week so I know he's got my form because he, he already told me he ordered it. So we'll see. We'll see what we can make happen. Well, would be uh, more than happy to watch that bad boy walking through the doors. So yeah. Oh, put it up front and center right to get next it back to in the my sign. House. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. So, uh, well, skip from the hunting a little bit here. Um, what's you know you're a, you're a member of a bunch of organizations. You're a, a monarch of us. What's it uh, mean to you to be able to give back? Like, is is that a goal of yours to not only take but to give back whenever you can? Yeah, it is. It uh, you know, growing up in the '90s, I don't know for us it was so much the forefront of things. It was something I had been thinking about for several years before I actually pulled the pin on it. Um, when I moved back to BC, that's when I started getting, you know, starting to really get the itch for stone sheep hunting. And uh, I moved away, I moved to Alberta pretty much right after high school. So when I left, uh, I, I never, I hadn't sheep hunted prior to that. And by the time I came back from Alberta, my uncles were pretty much done sheep hunting. And, uh, I was always the kind of guy that hunted with just my family. I didn't have a lot of buddy hunting buddies, or I had lots of buddies that hunted, but had never found a hunting partner to go out with. And, uh, listening to lots of other podcasts, I kind of dipped my toes into a few other organizations and ended up on talking to a few members of the wild sheep society and it was actually 21 i believe i was talking to robbie from northern chapter there and it was uh, the night of the northern northern fundraiser i think it was the night of the northern fundraiser and uh he started poking me about getting a membership and i was asking him about uh the online stuff for for watching the show that year and uh i kind of thought about it there for a while that night while i was watching some of the northern stuff go on and i couldn't think of a reason why not to pull the trigger and just jump straight to to life membership with you guys it's uh hunting is something that has fulfilled my life for so long and whether it be sheep, I, at that point, I'd never been on a sheep hunt. Um, when I was young, I did a few caribou hunts up uh, in Region 7. 
seen lots of sheep on the highway there, um, but never been on one, never been on a goat hunt. But I, I had a calling for it, and at the time, there wasn't much else going on that I felt would have as much effect on the areas I hunt, uh, BC. Um, there's lots of other great organizations that I looked into and I did donate to for a few years. Um, but jumping on board with you guys was what made sense. And I jumped straight into the life membership. And then I believe it was the following year, just before the show, I, I upped to Monarch and, uh, been spending maybe a little bit more on raffles (laughs) than, uh, I should. <laughs> so I haven't quite made the leap yet to silver. Um, but that is definitely something that is in the, in the near future, hopefully. Um, in the meantime, I became a life member of the Rocky Mount Goat Alliance as well. Uh, they're doing lots of great work and, uh, you guys are doing some work with them, I believe. Um, and it's, You know, like I said, it wasn't something that was super forefront to me growing up. Um, Maybe that was because there was much more of abundance of animals back then. You know, I remember watching home videos with my uncles and they'd go out and not see one 50, 60 inch bull moose, but you'd have your pick of, you know, half six to 10, 50 to 60 inch bull moose in a weekend up there and uh, I saw what populations were doing and everything else going on and I want my I want that stuff to be there for my kids I want those opportunities to be there for them and you know one day if with grandkids uh, if if that's what happens I I hope it's there for them too so it's something that's become very important to me. Um, I want it to be very important to my kids. Um, I share lots of this, lots of this stuff with them. Uh, I'd love to get out to the, some of the sheep counts or some of the other volunteering uh, things with them. Unfortunately, schedules just haven't aligned. But the Wild Sheep Society magazine and the Wild Sheep Foundation magazine uh, have been, when they show up in the mail, like, my kid's over the moon. He can't wait to get his hands on those and flip through the pages and, and look at everything. And he's at that age now where he can read a lot of it. Yeah. Um, so but it's buddy. That's because his dad's in the freaking thing. That's <laughs> I, why I haven't showed him that one yet. <laughs> Is that right? Eh? Oh yeah. yeah. It's the lot. Did you get the magazine yet? Uh, not the magazine. I got the digital copy, but not the physical copy yet. So, when okay, I get the yeah, physical it'll copy, be out I'll this week or next it. week. And, yeah. yeah. yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So it's uh No, keep going. Sorry to interrupt. Oh no, no, it's all good. It's it's just something I want them to be more involved in growing up. It's something I want to be more involved in. I mean, I have been a little bit financially, no near not anywhere near where some of the supporters have been, but uh do what I can do and I Hopefully in the future, we can get a little more hands-on with some of the events going on. If uh, schedules align, I'd love to get the kids down for a sheep count or two. Um, They have never, 
Oh, so it's not true. They have seen a few sheep along the highway going down into Kamloops, but um, I haven't got them into the mountains yet for that kind of stuff. Uh, hopefully this year, my boy, I can drag him along on a goat hunt or something, get him into the mountains and he can connect with that kind of stuff and see just how special it is and why what you guys do is so important for not only sheep, but all the wildlife out there. Well, we, we can't do what we do without people like you that support us and, you know, throw the funds down, yeah. volunteer when they can. And yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, I talked to quite a few guys. I know lots of guys around here that sheep hunt and they don't really, they don't pay attention to it. And I tell them like, you don't have to do what I did. You don't have to jump into a life membership, just buy a family membership you hunt, you take your kids hunting, buy the membership, buy just a single yearly membership. Uh, all the dollars count, right? So somebody has to do something for our wildlife and our, we we know what some of the parties aren't doing. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like guys to... You know, Anthony, that's... You know, that's a good point you raise. And that, for me, um, when I see people that are you know, do so much, right? Like, and there's a lot of members of our organization. It's not just our organization, but I, I see that the most uh, readily. And um, it it's a it's really inspiring, right? It's inspiring to see people so involved, so passionate, uh, care so much about wildlife, and do so much. And and like you said, it, it's not just about you know, it's not about the money. It's 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 all these things, right? There's people out there that volunteer countless hours countless hours and and honestly sometimes that's that's just even more important than the money right but the money's part of it so you know there's all these pieces and and you don't have to be all those things but i think the one thing about it is being a member it's cheap you can do it for next to nothing it's it's a couple of cups of coffee at today's prices with inflation and um you know, and I think that that's the thing is um, when I see people that don't do anything, I just, I'm like, I just, I, I you know, it, 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 to take for the resource and then not give back. And I, there's probably members that, you know, there's outfitters or there's ranchers or whatever that probably do a ton for wildlife that they probably don't need to be part of a conservation organization. But I think for most people, you kind of got to be, you know, you, in my feet, I feel you got to give back somehow. You got to do something is my personal feeling. So, and I look at a guy like you, you're, you're a guy that stands out for me because, you know, you kind of came on the scene and we didn't really know you and you just really, really got involved and, and on every level too. Like it's not just, you know, you're throwing cash around or whatever. It's, it's much more than that. It's coming to the show, supporting, you know, getting people involved, getting people inspired about conservation. That's huge, right? Like if you, you know, I think if, you know, somebody donates money, that's great, awesome, or, but if you inspire 25 people to get involved with an organization, like, look at how much you're moving with that. That's huge, right? So, um, I see guys like you, and, and I look at a young guy with a young family that works hard, and then he takes the time to, out of his busy family life and, and you know, resources that he could be dedicating to his family and give it to, you know, to, to something to be so passionate about it's really really inspiring and and i i look at that every day and that's one of the things that keeps me going some days you kind of get up and you're like uh and then you see guys like yourself that are so involved um or our directors or volunteers and the people what they're doing you're just like holy crap man it's a pretty special place and it's pretty inspiring but 
I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> no, it, it is like I, I look at the, some of the volunteers and the directors myself and I, I don't know how they do what they do. Um, I mean, maybe a little bit of it is we're kind of a little bit excluded up here in the north. We're a long ways away from some of the stuff going on. Uh, but at the same time, we're very fortunate to live where we do. Uh, I wouldn't change it for anything. I hope one day that I have a little bit more time in my schedule. I can I can do a lot more of the hands-on stuff. Um, I think that's good for the young generations to see. Um, but, you know, just watching on social media what some of the volunteers and directors, like I said, not just for, for Wild Sheep Society, but, you know, many other organizations do. I don't know how they find the time to do what they do. And it, uh, it's, it's a very important work in my opinion. And, uh, they all deserve a, a big round of applause for what they do. Uh, really for whatever reason they do it, whether it's the, you know, conservation or whether they just want to see more sheep on the mountain for their own purposes. Um, it, all that help is needed. And, on my end of things, it's it's greatly appreciated what a lot of the volunteers do day in, day out. It's uh, quite important. Well, we, uh, we thank you for those kind words, and we, we thank you for your support. And it was definitely a great chat with you tonight. And we look forward to hearing more about you and more from you. And I'm sure after uh, next season, we'll we'll get you back on and talk about like 37 more moose or something. <laughs> Uh, I don't know about that. So our luck's got to run out eventually. So Anthony, are you going to do the, you said you can't make the whiskey tasting, so that's okay. But, uh, are you doing the backpack races Friday night? I figured you and Roth could team up as team scree or something like that. Uh, no, I think I'll pass <laughs> on that part. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't, you don't want to push I him over the don't box. Think, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if we're up for that. Uh, I would consider it, but I don't think I've talked him into it yet. You never know. Once we get him down there and a couple of tequilas into him, we might be able to change his mind. <laughs> uh, well, I think, you know, one of the things you talked about being involved, coming down to the show, and um, it's always so it's always so much fun, that the whole event. And this year with the new venue and the Mountain Hunting Expo and a lot of the vendors we have, uh, coming, I think it's going to be one for the one for the the books. That's for sure. So we're we're super stoked about it, and you know, I know you're coming down, and um, uh, it's just it's going to be a great time. Going to be a great weekend, and uh, really stoked to see everybody down in Penticton. It's a bit longer drive, but I think it's going to be worth it for sure. So for sure, it uh, like I said last year, we met a lot of a lot of cool new people, and. Uh, so I'm not one to normally reach out over social media to talk to guys I don't know and never met just because I've seen them on a podcast or something like that or seen their posts. But uh, and I'd always heard it prior to becoming a member of the Wild Sheep Society, but it is a big family. You uh, you get connected to a lot of people and it's it's been very cool. The people I've gotten connected to in the last couple of years and I'm really looking forward to seeing some of them people down there this year. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. So we'll see you in six weeks, I guess, seven weeks. So, Yep. <laughs> All right. Have a good night, Anthony. Thanks. Right again. on, guys. Have a good one. Night.